This season is sponsored by Gorillas, the sexy grocery delivery app revolutionizing online shopping. Fresh food delivered to your door in 10 minutes, catering to all your food loving needs. Sign me up. Operating in major cities in the UK and globally, Gorillas supports small businesses as well as local producers to bring your favourite brands to your door. And just to get your juices flowing, they are offering all listeners £10 off your first order when you spend £20. Download the Gorillas app and use the code SEXY10 at checkout. Hi and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, food experts, chefs and people who just love their food to find out all about their life, career and their favourite tastes along the way. Today I'm joined by one of the great Italian chefs working in Britain today, Francesco Mazze. The Calabrian-born chef is currently chef patron at Sartoria in Mayfair, Radici in Islington and Fiume in Battersea. Known for his exquisite flavour and beautifully executed dishes, Francesco champions his home region specialities through the restaurants and his appearances on TV such as Saturday Kitchen, MasterChef and the Italian version of Hell's Kitchen. He is a Taste of London Festival veteran, where I too was hosting this year. So it's a huge pleasure to sit down with the master himself, Francesco. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. By the way, on. the pleasure is mine. Before we, before we started recording, the most incredible thing I think happened to me is that your truffle man arrived. <laughs> and we are now immersed in the most beautiful smells. Can you smell it? Can oh, you yeah, smell it? We're, we're, yeah. we are in truffle season now, aren't we? Yeah, we, no, well, we're starting with the white season, but now is when the black truffle, mm-hmm. it used to be summer, goes to uncinato. That means the, the quality is improving a lot. Okay. And uh, you can tell from the smell of it. So, but this truff, the white truffle season is basically in a couple of months. Let's say end of October. Okay. But it looks like the season is going to be a bit tough this year. So expect a shortage and quite high price. Why? Why is that? Because of the weather. The weather. It's been incredibly hot in Italy. Yeah. Not enough water. And uh, yeah, this what uh, that's uh, what's going to be this year. Do you prefer black or white truffles? I love them both. Yeah. I mean, uh, there is a, a black truffle called Nero di Norcia, which is only one month's season during December. I have to say, I prefer that one to the white. But, you know, truffle is uh, it's a sexy thing, you know, right? So uh, I don't know anyone that's like truffle. I mean, yeah. people, people, people is not keen on the smell of it sometimes because it's quite strong. Sorry, but, I don't. I don't have friends who, uh, who don't <laughs> like that too. smell. Sorry. I don't have a client that don't like <laughs> <Exactly>. truffle. Sometimes <laughs> people say as an excuse, "Oh, I don't like truffle because they know it's expensive." So, oh, yeah. I'm not. I'm allergic to truffle. Yeah. <laughs> it's not possible to be allergic to truffle. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, for, my first question is: What did you have for breakfast today? This morning, like every morning, I'm having like a sandwich, which is basically ciabatta with mortadella and provolone. You know, mortadella, salami, yeah, provolone, and we it is quite. I mean, we serve quite, uh, quite hot, uh, and that's our breakfast usually. I mean, we do this quite every morning, and then, as you probably know, we don't eat for lunch because we run the service, yeah. and then we have something solid around four or five afternoon. But it's, uh, it's an Italian treat. And when I'm in holiday, though, I do the same thing, but with a nice cold beer. Uh, of course, I cannot do it here because I'm going to work. 
<laughs> whatever now. time it might be, whatever time. Yeah, exactly. So we're actually recording from Sartoria in Mayfair, yeah. which is first of all so lovely to be in person after so long. So you joined here in 2015. Yeah. Talk to me about the restaurant. Sort of what do you specialize in as an Italian restaurant? Um, you know, how has your experience been since you joined? Oh, Sartoria has been great. I mean, when I joined Sartoria, was straight after Lanima. And when that was when Sartoria went through a quite big refurb, as you can see. Uh, a war I did when I joined D&D, uh, Des and David, uh, was that uh, I really want to do a classic, classy Italian restaurant without jeopardizing the Italian, the Italian cuisine at all. So I'm not using any cream, apart from the pastry. I'm not using any foam. Uh, I, I barely use a runner in my kitchen or, or sous vide technique. It's just a classic, pure Italian cooking, which is amazing. Um, for example, we've got the most amazing risotto Milanese. We've got the Vitello Milanese, which is the Ville Milanese. We sell a lot of truffle. We do spaghetti carbonara doppia. It's just, uh, it's just uh, I mean, look, I've got goosebumps when we talk. It's just like the class. So I mean, it's a place <laughs> that I want to go and eat. Yeah if I fancy Italian food in London. Yeah. Uh, and you can see the environment as well. And uh, also you see my, my manager, they all wear dress because we are in Savi Row. It's a, it's a posh, cool place, right? Mm. But mm. without being too pretentious, and the service is very friendly, like a good Italian place has to be. But again, the food is a classic Italian cuisine. It's not just Calabrian cuisine, because for Calabrian cuisine, I've gone much more the other restaurants. But this one is a, a class of Italian cuisine. And I think that's so important. I think one of the reasons why I would say Italian food is probably my favorite cuisine is because you don't need to do too much to it. It's the simplicity of it and the produce that is so important. But that's the key about Italian cooking, darling, is basically our sophistication being Italians is, uh, is uh, crazy about, about the best extra virgin olive oil, the best tomatoes, the best prosciutto, the best mozzarella, the best burrata. And then, and then when you've done, done that, you're you already halfway there. Mm. Just put in a plate with class, fare, and sustainability, yeah. and seasonality, and then you've got the most amazing cuisine in the world. Well, there we go. So I want to bring it back a little bit. You were raised, born and raised in, in Calabria, um, which is famous for one of my favorite uh, foods in the world. I, I never pronounce it correctly. I say in, in Duyo or in Duja. You can say it, both. Okay. I think that we're going to get to that in a bit, but I want to know what life was like growing up. I want to know like what you were eating as a child, who was cooking, what was on the table, sort of like, you know, paint the picture. Well, the way we grew up in Calabria was quite simple. And of course, it was all about food. So having lunch, thinking about what we're going to have for dinner, <laughs> having dinner, thinking about what we're going to have for lunch tomorrow. Sounds like me. Nonna, mama, papa, they're always involved in the cooking. Always. But my father didn't really cook that much, but was the one bringing the best ingredients. I mean, we had a garden, we grow <coughs> our own pig, we made our own cheese, our own salumi, our own bread, and that was a great forager. We used to go and got porcini mushroom, wow. dandelion, uh, snails, everything possible. Uh, but the great thing, the great memory about my family was the seasonality, mm. okay? We didn't really eat a lot of meat. Meat for us was only on a Sunday. We had the fish usually on Wednesday, and Friday because we're a Catholic family, and but the fish wasn't lobster or sea bass, <laughs> yeah. it was sardines or mackerel yeah. or simple stuff, but very good for you. The rest of the week was about pasta, about vegetables, about pulses. Uh, if you think now those days that people is all confused about, you know, I gotta get vegan for a while, vegetarian. Or, if, if you all done a diet as we did when we were kids, 
it'll be perfect. Mm. And that's what we call Mediterranean style of life, Mediterranean diet. I know the word diet sounds a bit boring, but the future, I think it goes in that direction. So that's why I keep great memory of my past as a child with the kids with the fame, because that was all about. And of course, the leftovers were never chucked in the bin. Was for the chickens, for the pigs, and there was that what a small little, uh, you know, environment that it worked incredibly well, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. But the most amazing things I remember for the family is that uh, we never use stuff out of season, never. For example, if I would bring, um, uh, um, I would bring like a, um, um, a fennel to my to my nonna in August, she would look away like a monster. So where did you get this one from? Because we only cook yeah. stuff for season, and if you believe. There is enough stuff for season to be used, you know, and your also is the style, uh, the style of your cooking, the way you eat, is it goes in a different way. Uh, it doesn't need to. Have, you don't need to have asparagus all the way around. Just do the asparagus when it's season. You don't need to have a tomato all year round. I mean, maybe for tomatoes is a bit difficult, but let's say uh, aubergine or cavolonero. You don't need to have all year round. Just have mm. winter, mm. and that that will help you in terms of um, also in terms of the way you buy stuff because you go stuff in season, which is tastier. It is also cheaper. Okay, and you you help the you help the world not to become like the way we are at the moment you know just be sustainable and the best memory I have from my family is this the sustainability of the small family on the early day which now is supposed to be used everywhere which we don't I think also diversity to kind of like mix things up like if I was eating <coughs> aubergines the entire year I'd sort of get a bit like well, I'm a bit bored now you know I'm kind of, I'll wait till next year now to like yeah. you know have them whatever so so you say that your mum and your grandma, your, your mama and your nana were in the kitchen. What, give me some example of dishes that remind you of your childhood. Well, the things that remind me of my childhood is definitely the Sunday lunch. Sunday lunch for us was like we were waiting for that because it was a feast. Um, and the, 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 the pasta making is, was so fascinating. I still, I still do it. I mean, a couple of years ago, I bought Richard Vines from Bloomberg and Pierre Kaufman to my own town. And they come for three years in a row after that. And my mum and my aunt, they, made, they, they, they did the, the, the usual Sunday lunch together. So we had lots of starters. Then we made the pasta from scratch, mm. step by step. And Pierre Kaufman, I remember, <laughs> made, it was so fascinating. Because we do this, the pasta called filet or macaroni a ferretto, which is quite difficult to do it. And then we did, of course, all the, the meat in the sauce and then the meat on the grill. And then we did all the, all the sweets and the vegetables. It was like a, a big feast. And usually it's a big table all together. Amazing. Sit down as well. By 5 o'clock, you're still there. I l and see, that's the, the most amazing Sunday thing. Lunch, right? That's the most amazing, and that's the great memories I have um, uh, on a Sunday. Say that though, I remember when we used to make the tomato sauce. I, I remember we used to make the olive oil. I mean, there's always, always uh, something around it. When we killed the pig, I mean, we cannot do this anymore, but we used to kill our own pig, make our own salumi. Mm, mm. And it was a big feast as well. So I've got great memories, great memories, but all around food. And I mean, obviously, aside from having an interest in eating, did you were you actually interested in the cooking and the food? Or I, not I so much you, at I that time? Thing. The reason why I started to cook mainly was because when it was um, olive picking, I used to hate it so much because it used to take one hour to one small bucket. It was like the worst thing for me. Then I used to bed my nonna, nonna Francesca was the name. She said, nonna, can you do the cooking? Yeah, but you cannot cook, you're so young. No, nonna, I want to do the cooking because I didn't want to go there. Ah, okay. But she wanted to go there. <laughs> so we find the balance. Okay, she was doing something for me, already prepared. And then I was telling my mom, I thought, oh, I'm going to do the cooking, don't worry, you go and pick up the olives. And she used to go because she loved picking up the olives. Okay. So the deal for me is, okay, I prepared something like that. You just chuck it in the oven, push it on, put the pasta in and go. <laughs> 
and that, and that when I started, really, because I really hated that kind of job. Uh, yeah. So it was kind of like the best out of a bad situation. Yes, exactly. And then, I, and then I start to love it. Start to love it. So every single year, around uh, well, like actually around this time of the year, uh, on, no, it was October, November, when all the piggy used to come, I was like paranoid all the time because for us the weekend, Monday to Friday, we used to live in a, in a seaside place in, in the city, and the weekend was countryside with nonna. It was no excuse. That was the rule. That's it. Okay. So and every weekend you have something else to do. Look after the garden, check the pigs, the chickens, and the olive trees. So we, that was our, our our rules all the time. But really used to hate Picardus olives. Really. <laughs> I've never done it, but I, I, I I've bother. seen for, I've seen videos, and I'm like, yeah, no, not but for me. You know when you go to supermarkets and you find that, that bottle of savage olive oil, three yeah. pound fifty, I say, it cannot be. Olive no oil. way. Say, that That's way. not proper not olive oil. No. When I say the twenty pound one, I say. I understand yeah. the hard job. I know, I'll buy that. <laughs> so something that I, um, there's a story about you that I discovered that I love is that one of the reasons, um, aside from obviously just an inherent love, you know, of food and whatever, um, you wanted to buy a pair of Levi jeans and this sort of turns your life into a different avenue. Yeah. Can you explain to everyone what this story is about? Well, um, <clears throat> As you probably understand the way I talk, I um, come from a humble family, humble family. We didn't have enough money. I mean, not enough money. We didn't have a lot of money. We yeah. had just enough money to get dressed properly and go to school. Yeah. Uh, not extra. If you want something else, it was not money. Mm. Five of us, that there was the only one working, a very clever man, but we didn't have any money. So I went to my father once and said, because all my friends used to have these Levi's jeans, Nike shoes, all look so bloody cool. <laughs> And I said to my dad, she listen, you know what, I want to buy Levi's jeans and Nike shoes. And my father said, how much are those? Well, 60 million lire those days. 60 million lire for the shoes and 60 million lire for the, for the trousers. <laughs> and then he said, okay, so it's 120, right? So yeah, 120. So 120 for you, 120 for Piero, 120 for Sergio, 120 for Angela. Yeah, that was a nice. It's a 700 quid. I said, yeah. I said, well, yeah, I can do that, but then I cannot pay for your bus to go to school, for your education. About that. And I said, what should I do then? You should find a job. Of course, he was joking to me. So what I did, I went to my uncle, which those days had a massive ice cream shop. And I said, listen, talk, talk to dad. Uh, da, 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 and uh, I won't make some money because I want to buy this and this. Yeah, fine. Okay, tomorrow you can start at 8 o'clock. Bloody hell, I went there at 8 o'clock the day after. <laughs> and uh, five years after, I had jeans for myself, for Piero, for Sergio, for Angel, for everyone. And that's the way I started. Uh, say that, though, after, after so many, so many years, uh, it was tough. Mm. So the last thing I wanted to do, I go in the kitchen at work, because I was doing pastry, ice cream, and then all, all this, my famous friend, going with the jeans and shoes around, they never worked, because they had no need to work. So they used to go to the beach, have a girlfriend, play football. We, I was there, cooking, with my older brother as well. Then he got the job as well. So the last thing I wanted to do is be a chef. Also, being a chef those days in Calabria wasn't a great job to do it. I'm, I'm, I knew my family wouldn't be happy about that. But then happened that um, the right guy came at the right moment with the right, with, with the right people, and he came to the ice cream shop, and um, he asked for this, this special ice cream called Manje Baby, which is basically sorbet and fruit together that you eat, and then you drink with a straw as well. Oh, lovely. Uh, and we used to make those days in, uh, in a wine balloon. Well, I'm, I'm talking about 90s, Yeah. you know? Um, to make a story short, he loves it so much. And that was the one made it for him. And the guy was called Angelo Sabetta. Uh, okay. He came to me and he said, I was 11, 
those days, something like that. Yeah, 11. And they said to me, 11, 12. I say, yeah, that was very good. Um, what are you going to do when you grow? And I knew the guy was a chef because my uncle told me. I said, everything, but no a chef. And he looked at me and said, uh, oh, shame. I said, why? Because you, you do, you got talent. You're good. You can do that. And you know, who's going to tell you at the age of 11 or 12 that you're mm. good or something? Apart from your mom or your nonna mm. or something, mm. go part of the bollocking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and these things go on and on and on and on in my, in my mind. Since uh, when the day I went to my father said, listen, I think I'm going to go and do catering college. And of course, dad wasn't happy because he wanted me to study. He wanted you know, to become a doctor. Of course. Money or no money, he will find the sacrifice to do it. And then it, that's where we are now. <laughs> And this literally the rest is history. <laughs> and I get, you know, from college, you went to Rome, you then yeah. came to London, you worked at the Dorchester. Yeah. What was the experience like sort of coming to London and working at somewhere like, you know, somewhere so grand like the Dorchester, yeah. which is very different, yeah. to, I assume, to what you were cooking, you know, back in Italy. But <clears throat> if I remember that trip from London to Rome, sorry, from Rome to London on uh, Egyptian airline, I <laughs> cried all the way through. Because oh, I left my girlfriend in oh. Rome, she's now my wife. Oh my gosh. All my friends. And okay. I came by myself. I came in London by myself. And my English was basically none. My English was none. I remember Willie Esner, the chef of the Dorchester, he gave me a position, a third call me, the last position available, because he said, if you learn English, I'll give you the position you deserve. After six months, I got that position. Hey. But <laughs> it was great because I, sp I spent four years of my life at the Grand Hotel of Rome. Uh, and the Grand Hotel of Rome was not very famous in the kitchen for organization or food cost or management, but where I've been working with such an amazing chefs, mm. the old style chefs, they used to beat you up or really <laughs> put you in the corner, yeah. working like endless hours. I think I, when I left the hotel room, I was 25 kilo man, because I worked like six wow. days a week. My yeah. But I learned the cooking big, big time, really big time. Uh, so what Dorchester did for me after four years at the Grand Hotel of Rome, I started Dorchester, I learned how to run a kitchen. The class, even uh, I remember Willie Asner, he was even teaching me how to walk in the kitchen because I was running. I said, You don't run in the kitchen, you walk mm -hmm. in the kitchen the way you put your uh, jacket. Uh, but I learned the management, how to make the ordering, the systems. Basically, after four years of great, great cooking and then four years of skills and management, I was really, really strong. Okay. And after that, my the world is open to me in terms of opportunity, chef. But Dorchester, London was. Uh, it's been, it's been a fortune for me. I mean, I made my name in UK. I didn't make my name in Italy. Mm. Okay, of course, people know me now for this. Of course. So I had to give a lot to UK. Uh, Dorchester was like the trampoline for me to, to get to that level. Do you feel like there's something to be said for that old school way of like teaching people how to cook in a kitchen? You know, that sort of that 90s and early 2000s where it is all a bit crazy. It is a bit wild. You're sort of not the really sleeping. That, yeah, the thing is that doesn't work anymore because the amount of hours. Yeah the welfare and stuff. I mean, the amount of hours you used to do was like massive. I mean... It was basically illegal. <laughs> it was illegal, six days a week. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I remember my chef, I used to, my chef Paolo Moretti in Rome, I said, chef, what time I'm coming tomorrow? He used to look at me and say, come a bit early, so then you can finish a bit late. Oh my God. I just, God. okay, chef, thank you much. What's that? There's <laughs> been no rules. Get in the kitchen and that's it. We finish when we finish. And that was, it was crazy, but... But I learned a lot. I mean, yeah. I learned a lot. I really wanted to. I mean, I was really passionate. And then the passion also grows when you do something. I was really into it. And uh, I, lo I learned everything from them. I still remember, I still got that recipe in my heart, in my head, because uh, I used to do this every day from 
million days and, mm. and, and it was great. Now, of course, even if you put things on writing, it's not the same because if something is in your blood, it stays in your blood for the rest of your life. Yeah. The recipe, you lose them, but skills you learn, they stay in your blood for the rest of your life. And that, that what, that's what happened for me at the Hotel of Rome. And whilst you were in London, what other chefs were kind of like raising up the ranks with you at the same time? Is there anyone that you were sort of like... But to be honest with you, when I first came in London, there was four or five chefs I knew it. The big boys, like yeah. Rue, Pierre yeah. Kaufman, Michael B. White to be after, Nicola Dennis. Yeah. Not many. Mm. Now there is a million of us. Thousand yeah. of us. It yeah. was like a big thing about mm. being a chef. So I can mention... I've got an endless number of chefs. Yeah. I mean, not so many Italians, I have to say. It was Giorgio Locatelli, basically, and that's it. Yeah. You know? Um, but it was, it, it's been the boom uh, of chefs in London, also because the knowledge of British people on cooking has been phenomenal in the last 20 years. I mean, when I first came here, it was, it was difficult to find a good exhibition of oil. Now you find everything you want, but not just on Italian cooking, in French, in Japanese cooking, in, in Indian cooking. It's amazing it's to live in London. It's so inspirational. Completely. A chef has to be in London. I, I think every single chef around the world has to have an experience in London. Mm. One year, two years, to see the, 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 the diversity of cooking. And then if you, if you think uh, you want to go out with your boyfriend or your wife, a side, say, listen, what do you want? What you fancy tonight? You can choose to the best. So you can have the best Japanese, the best Chinese, the best French, the best Italian, the best of the best. What else is happening in the world? Maybe in New York? I was I'm not sure that's good. But you know what? I've, uh, there's a part of me that wonders whether London has kind of taken over New York in that I, sense. I, 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 I you know think, what? I really think so. Yeah, I, really I think, think so. so. I mean, if you see, look at the Italian cooking in, in, in New York. With yeah. the respect, it's still more trattoria style. In London, there is a lot of fine dining. I agree. It also looks like in London, everyone wants open Italian restaurants yeah. those days. Everyone wants <laughs> Italian restaurants. Competition is massive. I know. Which I'm happy. I mean, it's fantastic. It's good. It's good for this for the, for the, for the Italian flag, for the Italian produce, and, and etc. But the, it's, uh, it's London is the place to be. Yeah. I mean, you go to supermarkets. You go to any supermarket, you find like uh, Amalfi Lemon, Bergamot, Okra, Bak Choi. It's true. I mean, everything. Yeah. Gaila. I mean, it's just fascinating. Yeah fascinating yeah uh, and this is the great the great thing about being in london being a chef in london what influences your cooking uh, my mom still <laughs> my family still i still keep as you probably know me the feet on the floor uh yeah of course i do a bit of tv and stuff i still look at a nice humble guy uh i get inspired from everyone really i mean the season for me is like uh, which is not so easy to find four season in london <laughs> but uh, I really get inspired. I mean, for example, now when now is uh, autumn, I'm looking forward for winter. When winter comes, I'm looking forward for spring, mm. and because it's it's exciting dealing with food and ingredients and stuff. And the UK lately, in terms of produce, it's been massive. I mean, if you check my Instagram, every single Sunday morning, I'm going to the same to the same farmers market since 15 years. And I know every single one there to see what is new and available. Which one are you going to? Uh, the London Farmers Market in Islington. Yeah. In Chappell's Market. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. Really? And then I buy the okay. stuff and I go to Radishi and I cook that stuff in Radishi. I mean, that for me is like being back in Calabria. That's what we used to do. Yeah. And I can do this in London. Yeah. And that, again, is another fount of inspiration. But actually, I guess also f for us as like Londoners, farmers market is a great way great to eat way. seasonally yes. and like really good produce. You yeah. know, that, that's my only thing is, you know, yes, supermarkets are really easy and, and convenient. But actually, for me, the taste no, is not really support. there. No, it's not. The taste you know, is not there. I know it's, like it's a different It's a different meal that you end up making. Yeah, it's a, People say, oh, it's more expensive supermarket. Yeah, but the quality is different. Yeah. 
You pay, you, pay for, you pay for what you and get you know for, right? You know that man is, is in three in the morning, but yeah. pick up that stuff yeah. to make sure it's fresh food to, to buy. I mean, for me, it's, it's phenomenal. And I'm the biggest supporter of this kind of thing, the massive big support of this kind of thing. And also, my cooking, I try to, I try to, um, to use as much as I can British produce. What is your relationship? Oh, this is actually a really silly question to ask an Italian. But um, what is your relationship with food like? <laughs> <laughs> Very healthy. I'm paranoid about <laughs> what I'm going to eat tonight. Oh, uh, yeah, we're, we're the same. I was probably Italian in a previous yeah, yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. And the, uh, uh, I'm paranoid about what I'm going to eat tonight. I mean, food is everything for me. I mean, it really, yeah. it's just, just my life. I mean, I, I, you know, I can be extremely upset if I have bad food. I can be, I can go a restaurant if I don't like something, I just pay the bill. I usually don't complain because I don't think it's fair to complain for them because people try to do the best. Just pay the bill, suit up and go. But would you feel like if you'd eaten the meal, what about like constructive criticism? If they ask me, yes. I usually don't Fine, do if they don't ask, I then usually, don't. No, just don't come just back. Go, yeah. I mean, kid, they can have a day. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, we live in the restaurant business. Sometimes you've got you some silly comments. You know what it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I don't really want to upset anyone. I felt like, just don't go back. Yeah. As simple as that. Yeah. I barely, I give them another chance because I, you know, I never have a free time. Mm. If I have free time, I go to that place, I'm going to have the most amazing time. If not, I'm not going. But as I said, in UK, the food, the food culture and knowledge is, it grows incredibly well in the last 20 years. So it's quite difficult to have a bad meal. But I'm really paranoid again if someone invites me for dinner. Okay. And then they try to overdo stuff. And they make That's some strange That's because they're thing. so nervous they're, because they're cooking for you. Yeah, but they don't need to invite me for dinner. They can get some cheese and salumi, a glass bottle of red, nice bottle of red. I'm happy. Francesco, they, they if you're coming me. to my house, I'm not not going to cook for you. That don't would just be so rude. Listen, sometimes you'd be surprised. But I'm not going to cook Italian for you, all right? I'm just telling you. Listen, it's nice to be the other side of the barricade sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes when people try to overdo it. And yeah. then they say, they would say, do you like it? Do you like it? And you would say, no, I don't like it. It's shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We have to say yeah. you have to lie. Yeah, yeah, I usually yeah. don't lie. Yeah. You know, I'm straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. I say, oh, actually, I don't like it. If you say you don't like it, the night is gone. Your wife says you're so you, rude. You've got to go. You're leaving. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so we end up like that. So I refuse to go if I invite for dinner okay. sometimes. I mean, I'm finding an excuse. I'm busy. I'm working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, I mean, it's been locked down. I couldn't do much. But usually I host dinner when I'm free, my house, and not people enjoy. But it's because sometimes if people keep simple, then it's fine. I've got no problem with it. But mm -hmm. when they try to overdo it, it just gets embarrassing yeah, and yeah. then and then you do in your night so i mean yeah uh, the the rules home the wife knows don't invite francesca for dinner unless he cooks for you because it's just just a dickhead right. <laughs> right that's take note everyone just invite him for a drink <laughs> Some cheese. what is your favorite ingredient could you choose a favorite ingredient yeah it, well i've got endless ingredients but i cannot leave i could, I could not leave without extra virgin olive oil okay that's for sure uh, is uh, one of the most amazing things, ingredients. Uh, is so versatile. It's good for everything. It's healthy. It's just, you know, if we come from where I come from, Calabria, I mean, uh, of course, you know the story about picking the olives, which is mm. terrible. <laughs> but it's an ingredient which I could not live without. Mm. I mean, if I don't know what to eat, if, I'm, if for example, I have one, more, one, one glass more wine, I don't know what to eat, you know what? I go home, bread, olive oil, and that's, that's it. True. Yeah. And that makes me feel, you know, actually add something solidly proper and good for me. Yeah. And you can find it where it's always there. It's, yeah, it has to be extra virgin olive oil. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, I agree. So one of the best collaborations you've ever done um, was with Pizza Express. Because I know he's like, he's like looking at me like, oh God, who is this woman? I have a secret love affair for Pizza Express just really? because, maybe, no, we love Pizza Express. We're not going to be rude about them, but, um, 
it was like the place that I'd go to as a child. It just reminds me of my childhood. Yeah. So what did you do with them? Because it is quite important in terms of introducing yeah. this pizza with the topping of the Nduya, which, you know, is from the region. Yeah. So, you know, talk to me. I would say that was a great collaboration. Uh, <laughs> basically, that's Faye Mash for the fault. And, uh, and Simon Davis, they introduced me to, to them. Um, and that changed quite a lot of things because you know, if I do something, I'll do something different. So the first thing I did, I made a square pizza. It was not round pizza. It was a square It was a rectangular pizza. Okay. It's like the pizza al taglio we do in Italy. Yeah. It's the pizza on the tray we do in Italy. It's out of Italy. And then I bought to the country, these special ingredients called Nduja, Onduja, as we said. And that was one of the most amazing things I did. Not just the fact that the pizza was popular in Pizza Express, but we put Nduja on the market. I think that's what I, yeah, that's what I on meant. On the spot. Just... And that brought a lots of, uh, lots of economy to the Calabria, to the Calabresi. And that was amazing. I mean, I didn't even realize myself. I used to go to the La Mezzia airport, fly to La Mezzia airport, and the people started talking to me, ah, He's the Calabrian chef, you know, he's the guy from doing it. Okay. I want to become so bloody popular from the Calabresi. Wow. And I never had any deal in terms of money with Dusha. It was just a love affair to give something back to my beautiful Calabria. And since that day, it's been this big boom about Dusha. Like everyone's going Dusha now, but not just in Italy. In, everywhere. In, in, everywhere. And everywhere. The, the amount of press I had because that, I don't even realize myself. It was just phenomenal. But the great thing was that when my father, one day, when he was still alive, I went there and said, oh, you know what? I went to this place in Cosenza, and when I told her that my son was in, um, in London doing the chef, the sister Francesco might say, yeah, everyone knew, knew, knew you. And they, um, they complimented me because we bought lots of economies. So well done, my son. And that was one of the best compliments. Because wow. we re without even knowing, we did so much things. And apparently those days, uh, Pizza Express bought, I don't know, many, me I mean, a couple of million, I guess. I'm not sure about the numbers now. I don't want to say anything wrong. Onduja from the Calabria to UK. That made me very proud. Mm. That was a really mm. proud moment for me. Which very seamlessly brings me on to the fact that you uh, run a chili farm. Is that correct? Yeah. Which... Well, we, to be honest with you, uh, to be honest with you, we stopped in the last two years because of the oh, COVID that's situation. that's a shame. Because I'm, a plan, big, I'm the plan. biggest chili fan in yeah. the world. I mean, I can okay, do good. serious, serious spice. That's why I was excited about the collaboration with Pizza Express, just because Indujo is powerful. one of my favorite things in the world. And I have it always in the house. Um, I spread it on toast. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I put it into everything. Um, talk, so you don't have the farm anymore. That's the farm a shame. is still there. The, okay, the farm but you're is still just there. not part of it. We, no, no, I'm part of it, big time. Okay, the farm fine. is still there. We own everything there. Uh, at the moment, we're making uh, just uh, the chili jam, the fresh Oh, nice. The chili jam, you get some. Yes. And then I'm doing some, my brother, my older brother does for me now, the, 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 the lemon jam, the bergamot jam, and the orange jam. Oh, but wow. we plan to do it back again because the COVID situation, dealing with chilies wasn't easy. We lost all the staff, you believe or not. Mm. We lost all the staff, so it's quite a tough job. Mm. And what we don't want to do, buy the chili from someone else to do it, we want, we want to do it. So we stopped now. But bear with me on that. We're coming okay. back. We're coming uh, back. I'm, I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me. You've obviously told me about your breakfast. What is um, a day in the life of food for you? Well, it's definitely, as I said, again, the Sunday. I keep like, you know, uh, the Sunday is the day I usually spend at Radici. Okay. Uh, so we're going with my, with my son mainly. My daughter comes sometimes with me. We wake up early. We have some quick breakfast. We go to the farmer's market. We buy the stuff and then we go through the issue and we do all the prep. Okay? 
So on the end of this day is a table, which is Francesco table. By two o'clock, when the service is nearly done and the kitchen is running by itself, I sit down and people can book my table if they want to. So, and it's a very little amount to pay. You pay for home wine and you eat wherever I eat. Oh, and I that, love you should that. do that one I together. I love yeah. that. And this is something got more, of course, we stopped this because of the COVID yeah, again. Yeah. But this is something, I mean, I, some, I never stopped myself. It's something I do every Sunday morning if I'm not traveling. And that it makes very special because you go the most authentic Italian cuisine with Bridget produce in a fantastic Tartaria environment. What and everyone can share. What a fabulous idea. And it works. And it works. Sometimes yeah. the table of six become tables of 26. Love that. I mean, the Italian ambassador comes there, the Italian general, the football players, they come and join me at the table. I mean, it's just fantastic. And everybody's having a fun. It's like a, a proper Italian family party. Oh my God. Know? I need to, yeah, I need to, I need to do that. Well, we'll invite you once. I'd love to. Um, when you're at home for like that one second every week, uh, do you have any specialities that you cook at home? When you're off. I shouldn't I shouldn't say that, but we never cook Italian at home. Okay. We you know I've been in Thailand for one year and a half. Okay. Um, basically we love our green curry. Right. Which we do from scratch. We don't buy oh, the paste, wow. we made the paste ourselves. Oh, Kids love it. I know it's yeah. I'm I balance the bell peppers with the 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 the, 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 the very strong green chili pepper. Yeah. The Thai pepper with with the normal capsicum to balance the spice because it's too much. We love our Curry, yellow yeah. curry, red curry. I mean, you know, I've been involved in Akasana, so I had a chance to learn with the uh, Buzaba, the skills. So we rarely cook uh, um, Italian as well. But of course, pasta is always present. Uh, we love our shepherd's pie. My son loves the shepherd's pie, which we love. We love a, a sausage roll. I mean, we oh, try yeah. to eat different <laughs> yeah. than Italians. Because if you want to eat Italians, you can do Italians all, all the time. So if you see my fridge, it's, yeah. like, it's a bit like the shelf of supermarket. It's a bit of everything. <laughs> it's a bit of everything. I love that. From the lime leaves to the basil to the tomato sauce like to that. the green curry paste. Serious diversity yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and my wife this morning said, oh, uh, tonight I, I make a bit of curry because a long time we don't do that. Is your wife a good cook? She's a very good cook. She's a very good cook okay. as well. Yeah. So she's the only one whose food that you'll eat then? To be honest with you, I wish I'd get laid at home. And there are always some leftovers from the kids for me to eat. And it's always beautiful. Yeah. Don't tell her. <laughs> it's always beautiful. Last night, I had some, she, we went to the market. We bought these barlotti beans, fresh barlotti beans. She made the most amazing pasta fagioli oh, with the melting duya. Oh, that's one of my favorite dishes. That was so good. Last night, I had like two, two, two plates. And then, oh, of course, fabulous. I couldn't sleep until yeah. one o'clock. <laughs> That's the problem with eating yeah. late. Yeah. Aside, obviously, from your own restaurants, are there any other restaurants that you love going to? Boy, again, I said, I, 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 I usually don't do Italian food, uh, but not because I'm snobbing the other time, or I think I'm better than others. No, it's no. not true. Just because we have enough Italian food and stuff, so we stick to the Oriental uh, food. At the, moment, at the moment, I love, my son loves dim sum, and we go... Uh, quite often to Dumpling Legends. Oh, I've, I'm desperate to go you to this place. Go there. My Je friend was the telling honor me. Honor Jeff is a very good friend of mine. Yeah, it's meant I've to be got, I made sure he became my friend because <laughs> I want to eat his food all the time. <laughs> and the chef as well is a good friend of mine. So I'll go spoil the look after. And, and, uh, and that's what we do. I mean, of course, I'm a big fan of Akasan as well, but slightly bit more expensive. Yeah. Uh, but my son loves there. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the place where we go often. Right. I always end my interviews with a few quick-fire questions. Sure. <clears throat> what is the craziest food you've ever eaten? Um, there was this uh, place in Cambodia. You know, when, I, when I was in Thailand, I used to have the chance to go out every single month to visit a different country and to, to, to explore different style of cuisine. Now, apparently, I had this bot noodles, okay, uh, in front of Angkor Wat in Cambodia <laughs> that they were made with the water of the river. Oh, wow. And I just realized 
when I finished to eat that bowl, of, which was delicious, by the way, because I saw that when there was a small thing, a small counter, and I saw this packet hanging out from the boat. And that was the water used not to clean, but to cook for. Oh, wow. And they said, oh, my God, I'm going to get sick. Uh, but thank God for that, I didn't get sick. But that was probably one of the most crazy things I ever had in my life. And probably the tastiest noodles you ever had. It was so that. good, so good. <laughs> what has been your most memorable meal? To be honest with you, I had quite a few. I had quite a few. Um, it could also be like who you were with or where you were, not necessarily just like the food. I think the most memorable meal I had was uh, having uh, fish on the seaside with a beautiful view in Puglia with Pierre Kaufman and Richard Vines. It was so cool. And uh, just, you know, we stayed there eating the food like probably half an hour, one hour without saying a word because it was so good. And we love the simplicity of it. It's just, just, yeah, yeah, probably that was one of the best uh, memory. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more, but. Yeah, I can imagine you have a lot of uh, stories. Yeah. Right, not Italian related whatsoever. My favorite snack of all time is a packet of crisps. What is your, fa <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite flavor of crisps and why? Uh, crisp for me has to be like uh, sea salt crisps, no problem. Okay. But I can use for everything. I can dip on my tomato sauce. <laughs> okay, I, I like how I like how you're still relating this back to Italian food. But are we talking like something thick, like a kettle chip, or more like a Walkers? Uh, more like Walkers. I'd okay, say. so something quite thin. Quite thin, quite thin. But have you ever tried with tuna tartare? No, but try. it sounds fabulous. Have you I ever would. Tried with the uh, meat tartare. Have you ever tried with with again a spicy tomato sauce? I mean, I, I love I, it. No, absolutely. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I can get into it, but. If there is something I really get mad for, is uh, ice cream. I mean. Okay, so you are. I can have like. I mean, I come from ice cream. I was just about to say, round, yeah. I can have a half kilo of ice cream from the TV myself. What's your favorite flavor? Hazelnut ah, is the flavor. Hazelnut. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I can. I don't know if I can, I'm allowed to say it. I can live with praline and cream again. That I can have a couple of those. No problem. Oh, here we go. So bloody rich. <laughs> But I love it. <laughs> and you know, in Italy, we do affogato. You know, oh, I you know, love that. Affogato is not just with coffee. You can do it with whiskey or bailes or stuff. If it's a Sunday night, and usually, usually on Sunday night I'm not working because Monday is usually my day off. Mm -hmm. um, I don't mind to have a bit of, you know, whiskey, affogato with brandy cream or rum. It's so good. It's just a shot of it. I it didn't even so think special. that yeah, I could do that. Because I always do it with an espresso. Espresso, definitely, but you can do a forgotten mm. with, the, with the liquor as well. Okay. Yeah, All right, try. there we go. That's my next Don't dinner party. I know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what food sums up happiness for you? A spaghetti tomato in Brazil. Yeah. Uh, it's the epitome of Italian cooking. And every single chef comes to my kitchen for a trial. Before they go, I ask them, can you do a spaghetti tomato in Brazil? Some of them say, oh, I mean, really? Come on. Yeah, what is your spaghetti tomato in And you know what? The most difficult things in the kitchen are the simple things. Because well, people underestimate the work goes behind it. I think that's so true. And don't they also say, uh, I, I, I list, read somewhere years ago with another chef who said that he always got his new apprentices or whatever to make an omelette. Yeah. And if you can't make a good omelette, then yeah. like, no. what are you doing here? No, but it's also, it shows so many things. It's not just the skill to make the bolo pasta. It's the respect you have for simple things. Mm. It's the respect you have for that kind of cooking or cuisine. That shows a lot of things, mm. not just the skills on cooking, but all was behind it. And mm. that, if that, that, if that guy does that problem, it's like, okay, he's a good cook, and he also can be part of my team because that's the attitude I want. Absolutely. And that's, that's the key. Final question. 
Live to eat or eat to live? Live to eat, definitely. Yay! Definitely. I mean, definitely. there was no other answer. <laughs> definitely that. Definitely. I mean, some people say, how was your meal? You don't answer it. That means it was a bad meal. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all about that, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Pleasure. Francesco. This has been so lovely and so lovely to finally be back at the restaurant. For anyone that does not follow Francesco, you can follow him on social media at chef underscore Francesco Maze. Until next time. Grazie. Grazie. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and review. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Crazy Sexy Food and check out the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel. Until next time, bye. <laughs> <laughs>